On this episode of What the Church... The interesting thing about the Sunday School model, um, and I've heard Jim Singleton, who was our guest speaker at our last session retreat, yeah, professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Mm, Outstanding, outstanding school. Wonderful, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Offers a higher degree of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. I think just so much better than if someone got a degree from Fuller. Oh, my my goodness. Now they're just fighting. Here we go. This is actual how pastors argue. That's right. That's (laughs) right. It's ridiculous. Hi, welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. This is part one-ish of a four-part series on living missionally, which is a little weird phrase we're going to explain in a few minutes, I promise. My name is Paige, and I'm joined today by a couple of my semi-famous friends. Dr. David Swanson is senior pastor and lead culture maker here at First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. Wow, I got a new title. You that's, did. That's exciting. I like to give out titles. Yeah. And Dr. Jack Peebles, cultural engineer and our pastor of discipleship. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Glad well, you're here. Thank you. We are so happy to be with you, Paige, today. <laughs> so sarcastic. Um, so for over two years, um, our pastors, our elders, our church staff have been in a vision process, uh, right? Over two years now, mm-hmm. um, which has been exciting at times and fun at times and really difficult at times um, because culture change, just like personal change, is hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so today we're going to talk a little bit about how we've come to the language that we're at and how that is going to shape the church that we're going to become. But first, um, I want to talk a little bit about the culture and the language of the church. Um, The church is kind of notorious for using their own sort of insular words and phrases. Um, My favorite is bless their hearts, (laughs) bless his heart, you know, which is kind of a brutal, like church ladies can be really brutal with that one. Like bless his heart. He's just not that smart or, you know, bless his heart. They just Mm. don't know what's going on. Mm. And so I wanted to see what your favorite, your least favorite church phrase was, as you think about what you've heard over the years in the church, what's the, like the repeated language that you just like, Oh, I wish they would stop saying that. Do you want to share first? No, Jack? you 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 go well, first. I'm, you know, this may not fall into that same category as "bless your heart," but I think in the Presbyterian world, we're we're a very flat organizational structure, uh, unlike you know the the Baptists where they have great independence, or the Methodist Episcopal Catholic hierarchical form. And I know this is way more than you want. I'm very excited. But um, my my least favorite phrase is, "Hey, let's have a meeting." Um, you know, Presbyterians, they just love to meet. And I know that relationships are good and that's one of our strategic priorities, but oh my goodness, do we love our meetings. We do. We want to plan a meeting to have a meeting. Yeah, you do. You have to have meetings to get ready for your meetings. And that sometimes I just want to go, we're doing this. And not have a meeting. And sometimes you do. And, so, and there, there have been moments. All right, Jack, what about you? Um, I think a couple of things. I think uh, I think there's language that we use within the context of worship sometimes. Um, you know, obviously, there's this kind of insider culture, as you said. Um, but one of my all-time favorites is narthex. I, I love narthex, <laughs> which is we say, hey, meet us in the narthex. And people like, What's that? often will get that question. What in the world are you talking about? Yeah. Where is it? It's a narth exit. Is that what you said? So great. 
but the other one that uh, the other one that I think uh, that I kind of struggle with is the whole fellowship one, mm. just because you know the original Greek koinonia captures something that's much deeper and richer than what we've come to understand as fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's not the superficial, you know, where two or more cookies gather together kind of definition. It's the it's the deep relationships that we're longing for, that we're striving for as we're kind of embarked on this missional journey. We could just start saying koinonia time. It'd be <laughs> yeah, real yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. It'd be super weird. Well, and deep fellowship doesn't quite capture it either. Yeah. It's, uh, we, that sounds we a little have, invasive. Yeah, we don't, have a good, we don't have a good word for it. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what a narthex is, it is actually just the lobby on the front of the sanctuary where you can come in from Church Street. It's a, just an architectural so just term. lobby, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got a couple lobbies. So we like to make it as confusing and as we can. We're not going to make this podcast about church terms, but the other one that is analogous, not analogous, but similar to Narthex is the chancel. Yeah, the chancel. That's you know, right. people talk about the chancel and they're like, what, what is that? And the chancel is just the platform that's up the steps where the pulpit is and yeah. where the organ is. And so it's not, you know, that we can take all the mystery out of these church yeah. terms for you. Yeah. See, it's so educational, guys. We're already <laughs> doing great. And I think it's fun to have both of you here because you both have had unique roles in shaping our culture and our language. So I think it's safe to say we've begun to see a clear and compelling vision emerge from our language. Would you guys, as you reflect on yesterday morning, which was August 4th, our first big Mm -hmm. um, time together, would you say that's true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in the our strategic priority of building relationships of radical affection and accountability. And we saw people really engaging each other and not with some sense of I have to, but I really want to. I want to engage other people. And that was so refreshing to see people, um, you know, there was a question that, that Dale had posed to us as we kind of evaluated yesterday, what, what was a sign of success? And, and my answer was loud talking. You know, it was just so loud in the fellowship hall as everybody was enjoying being with each other. So. That was good. Even introverts liked it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. It was, it was also fun to see people kind of, people understood what we were trying to accomplish yesterday, which was, you know, you know creating space for relationships. And they took, they took the opportunity to go and introduce themselves to other people. Like I, I was kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly extroverted, but yesterday was a bit overwhelming to me. <laughs> and so I'm standing in the corner and I'm watching all these conversations unfold where people, again, are literally walking up to each other going, hey, I've never met you. This is my name. What's your name? Let's engage in some conversation together. That's not easy to do. No. Naturally. Okay. So one of the things we want to talk about today is why we have chosen this particular vocabulary and why does it matter for the future of First Press, right? So that's a big question and we're not going to cover it all in this little window of time, but that's a little bit of what we're trying to dig into today and why we, you know, we wanted to talk through this. So a lot of people think that I'm obnoxious um, because I'm rigorous about, not for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> because I'm rigorous <laughs> about how, which words we use. Um, and, you know, I think first you have to understand something before you can repeat it, right? Um, and for me, at least, you have to repeat something a few times before you can live it out. Sometimes for me, I have to repeat it a lot. And, um, one of the references I've used in thinking about this is in Deuteronomy. Um, is it Deuteronomy 6? And there's the Shema, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of this idea where God is commanding people to write the biblical laws on their doorposts and their hands and their foreheads or these ideas that you're passing down to your children. And I think that, you know, that's that's kind of how I think about these things that we're talking about. You know, not that these are core values are the same as scripture in any way, but 
they're inspired by scripture. And so what we're aiming for is for people to inhabit these ideas, the value and the vision to really live them. And then once we inhabit them, we can interpret them to others, right? So um, I just wanted to kind of clarify as we think about core values. David, maybe you want to talk about what a core value is for a second? Yeah. So core values, I think anytime you're looking at a, a vision process and you're thinking about who are we and what is God calling us to be uh, as a body uh, today and then moving into the future, that represents a lot of obvious change. And Mm -hmm. as we've talked about, sometimes change is difficult. So before you start launching into all the change dynamics, you want to be able to articulate clearly to your people, what are the things that are not going to change? Like, what are the things that are timeless, that define us, that make us who we are, and that are going to be unalterable in in the future, henceforth and forevermore? So Mm -hmm. we took a lot of time in kind of uh, drilling down on what are the core values of First Principles? What have they been for 143 years? And these are the things we'll continue to stand on moving into the future. Those are the core values. Yeah. So I've heard people kind of say core values, strategic priorities, those are like business terms and they don't necessarily apply here in the church. What do you say to that, guys? Oh, I would completely object to that. I mean, a, a core value, especially in the life of the church, those are going to be things, as you said, that are grounded in Scripture that define who we are. Now, as a strategic priority, I can see some overlap with business there because that's just stating what are we going to focus on in the next three to five years? So that could be a business thing too. But a, a core value, I think, in the church is going to be a, a different thing. Yeah, and I um, another way to think about a core value is it represents the DNA of a particular congregation. Like I've heard it described that way. And I, I think as you look at the early church as revealed in scripture, and specifically I'm thinking about the Acts 2, you know, 42 passages where it kind of unpacks what, what the church was about in that early season, um, you see core values represented. You see that, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread with glad and generous hearts. They gave as anybody had need. I mean, essentially, those were the core values of that early church as it was as it started to kind of flourish and take over the world. Yeah, and one of the things I like about them and that we focused on a lot was trying to make them as accessible as possible, even for people who weren't in the church. I mean, you guys know that's a big deal to me Mm. personally, just making sure that things can be reached even if you don't know Jesus, that you can start to kind of understand who we are as a church and what what our DNA is, right? Um, And that's one of the reasons we named the podcast What the Church (laughs) is actually, not just because I like for this to be a provoking play on words, but also because we're literally using this podcast to help define what the church should look like in the coming years. Um, So, all right. So, David, we talked about core values a little bit. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more? Do you guys, can you name the core values? Pretty sure I can. Truth. Okay. You know, we're grounded. And that is, that's kind of the core value that all the other core values is built on in this church, you know, is the, is the truth of God's word that is, is timeless and eternal and that everything uh, results from that. Uh, uh, you know, second is our, our love for the city, um, that we're not just about being in these four walls, but we want to be about engaging our neighbors and, uh, and really trying to change the face of the community for Christ. Um, relentless generosity is something we've uh, engaged in as a body for years, and we've just finished our Rise and Build campaign, <laughs> and uh, we actually um, uh, raised uh, every penny of that campaign, which is the first one I've ever been part of where we did that. That's amazing. Um, 
generational faithfulness, you know, in a church where we've got, you know, four and five generations represented, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from those who are newborns to those who are, you know, close to or past 100 years old. Um, how do you uh, celebrate all the generations and, and what they offer? Wait, uh, let Jack do something. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I think there's one left if I was counting correctly. So the last one is our best. There's two more. Oh, there's two more. Yeah, Uh-oh. you guys forgot one. Oh. But our best, yeah. Our, our best. Which is not excellence. Which is not necessarily excellence. It's understanding how we're uniquely gifted and learning and or living into kind of the fullness of what God wants us to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm blanking on the I'm last blanking one. blanking on the last Guys, one. Church it. family. Come church on. family. Oh, my, oh goodness. my goodness. They're doing great. It's, a, it's actually a lot to remember. And I think six is a lot of core values, but we're a 140-year-old living, breathing thing, right? There so. You go. You gotta, that's the best we could do in terms of narrowing it down. And those things are all still true, right? Yeah, that's right. So, David, you mentioned strategic priorities. There's mm-hmm. three of those. There are three of those. Do we you remember wanna, what they are? I, I, I think I can. We want to create a culture uh, in which our behaviors reflect our values. And so our actions reflect our values. So we actually want to live uh, according to what we say uh, is important. And that's yeah. not necessarily always um been the case. So I think that's that's a great uh, priority for us to have. The second is we want to cultivate uh, relationships of radical affection and accountability. And uh, again, just the desire to connect people more deeply. And, and then not to forget the back half of that, which is accountability, which is always, I think, the hardest part of relationships. Mm-hmm. And that that's not easy. And the third strategic priority, Jack, you want? The, the third one is to strengthen and prepare people to live missionally in their neighborhood, vocation, and their family. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah. So we did. And to be clear, we don't have anything in front of us. Yeah, we're don't. not cheating. I'm or actually anything. really impressed. Yeah. yeah, I'm really impressed. We were not allowed to bring notes in here, so this was kind of an examination. Uh, yeah, it's a quiz. <laughs> so some of those words, though, in the strategic priorities, which. How are strategic priorities different from core values? Strategic priorities are the focus of the next three to five years. So they're not things we're necessarily going to be focused on forever. But in the short term, these are the things we really want to bring some attention to. Right. And they're kind of in some ways, they're a little bit corrective to some of our cultural challenges as a church. And in some ways, they're aspirational. Like this is where we want to get to. Before we get into explaining a little bit more about living missionally, I want to talk about our mission statement briefly, because those are some that that's there's four parts to that. And they're kind of they're very intentionally chosen. But I want to understand a little bit more about why we chose those words. I I, uh, I love the uh, the rhythm of the words that there's an in and out dynamic to it. And to me, it's it's the rhythm of Mark 3, uh, 14 to 16, when Jesus is calling the disciples and he said, I called you that you might be with me and that I might send you out. So there's this come in, there's this be with Jesus idea, and then there's this go out, go serve, go be with the people I've called you uh, to share the gospel with. And so, so be loved, love the city. Yeah. So be loved is kind of come in and be loved by Jesus, uh, be loved by the community, uh, be loved by one another, understand what that is. And then having been loved, having had your cup filled, now go out and love others, love our city well, be defined uh, not by how strident you are in the accuracy of your theology, but be defined in how deeply and how wonderfully uh, you love other people and, uh, and show that affection for them. And then the second part, again, is to know truth and then live truth. So we need that equipping discipleship dynamic and then how we live truth. You know, I, I, of the four, 
I think that living truth may be the one that is packed with the most meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. There, there, the only thing I'd add to that is there's a, there's a great missiologist, Ooh. which is a theologian that thinks missionally, I guess Very is the best exciting. way to describe that. His name is uh, Craig Van Gelder, not to be confused with Dale no. or Richard <laughs> or any of I guess they, they're probably related somewhere down, down, down the line. line. Sure. But he, he talks about how the natural rhythm of the church is the whole breathing in, breathing out. And so this whole gathering, scattering rhythm is a very kind of organic way to think about the ways in which the church comes in to get equipped, comes in to get loved, comes in to get filled up, essentially. And then as it is sent out into the world, um, you know, that's that's where the participants, um, covenant partners are participants in God's mission. So it's a very, I don't know, it's a very organic way of thinking about the process of respiration, breathing in, breathing out, always helps me to think about, okay, this is what the church is called to be. It's the body of Christ, and thus it has to have this rhythm to it. And, and the the other thing I want to capture about living truth is that you're, you're, you're always living. There's never a time where you're not living. And so it's this movement in our church away from this idea that I'm doing my faith, God, Christian thing when I'm in the building or when I'm in my small group, as opposed to this understanding that, that I'm a child of God and I'm living the truth of God all the time. Right that it's who I am, that everything that I'm about in my family neighborhood vocation uh, is about the kingdom of God and really trying to keep people from compartmentalizing that dynamic uh, or that part of their faith as I think has been a, a habit. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. And I think that's part of the idea behind the podcast and the pastor class is to kind of help people think about that and equip them for that time when they're not here. So Jack, let's talk a little bit about living missionally. What in the world does that even mean? Yeah, missional is a word that has been around for about 20 years at this point. It was first um, introduced in a book called The Missional Church, which was written by a group called the Gospel in Our Culture Network, um, spearheaded by a man named Daryl Guter. Ah, your favorite. My favorite, Guter. And so, doesn't it, didn't he say that we all, that living missionally means we all have to like move to a foreign country and be missionaries? No, no. Is that not, not what it all. means? No, 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 no. no. Oh. Daryl was <laughs> instrumental in the creation. In fact, he's the guy that coined the phrase. And, and when that group came together, they recognized that the culture and the church had reached a point where, um, well, to put it kind of simply, the, chur- the church was living in a season in which the cult- culture wasn't conducive uh, to pointing people toward the church anymore. And mm-hmm. so... Um, Really, the idea of being missional was a call to the church to reorient its posture in terms of the way in which it interacted, um, not just within the walls of the church, but as it kind of went out into the community, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so um, since that time, missional has come to mean a variety of different things, depending on what what side of the theological spectrum you're in, who who's, you know, who your theological heroes have been. And so um, over the last couple of months, our equipping team has tried to kind of come up with a definition that succinctly uh, describes what we mean by missional while at the same time allowing for freedom so that, you know, as as this is lived out in our respective areas of ministry and is implemented in a variety of different ways, there's there's variety you sure. know, as the spirit yeah. directs. And so when we talk about missional here at First Prez, and we're going to be unpacking this in the pastor's class, 
We mean um, missional is defined as we are sent into the culture to join in the work of God's kingdom as we share the good news of Jesus Christ through loving relationships. Or to put it simply, we are sent to join, share, and love. Like and that. so, yeah, yeah, we we kind of we're really happy with the way that we came Sent up with that. to join, share, and love. That's correct. That's it. it. That's it. That's how it should be, right? You should be able to capture it, repeat it, mm-hmm. and remember it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's great. And so, there's three areas where we've kind of said that's where we want to focus. Jack, can you talk a little bit about why we chose those three things? Well, as the as you unpack the definition and you talk about being sent into the community, that's the first part of the definition. Um, one of the things we're striving to do is help people understand that they're they're you know what happens beyond the walls of the church, what happens beyond the 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 one hour or hopefully two hours that they experience on Sunday mornings um, as they go out into their respective lives, whether it's places or relationships. So these are the places where God is quite literally sending them. Um, John twenty twenty one is one of the verses of scripture that we've kind of unpacked in terms of setting the direction and defining what we mean by missional. But this that's the story of when Jesus, um, after the resurrection, appears to, the, to his disciples mm-hmm. and he says, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. And then he says, of course, receive the Holy Spirit and the disciples, you know, it sets off in the in the expansion of the church in the known world. Um, and so as we sat down and we talked about where where are the places and who are the people that uh, our church people, our covenant partners are interacting with, um, we wanted to get a little bit specific in terms of identifying our, our mission field. And so, um, yeah, that's we, we ended up in those conversations discerning that it truly was through vocation in our families, because that's kind of the building block of society in a, in a, in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. um, and in our neighborhoods as well. And so, um, yeah, those are the places that we feel people need to be equipped in order to be that missionary presence, as David said, um, over the course of a given week. Yeah. And we are going to have upcoming episodes about each one of those, breaking them out with different okay. people who are highlighting and explaining all of that. So that'll be really helpful because that those are the other three parts in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned the pastor class, Jack. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? That's going to begin this week, this Sunday. Yeah, really excited about that. Um, you know, I, it's going to be unlike any other class that we offer in that we kind of have a twofold purpose for it. The first kind of purpose or the pr- first reason why we're creating the class is we want to give people an opportunity to wrestle with this missional thing that mm-hmm. we've all been talking about. We want them to dive deeper on it. We want to introduce to them, um, you know, ideas and ways and stories about, you know, what missional living looks like. Uh, but the other side, the other purpose of the class is creating space for people to have relationships with one another, or at least start to have relationships with one another. Uh, one of the big things that came out of our survey two years ago was that we do a really poor job of facil- facilitating relationships. And a lot of people in the congregation feel like they don't know anybody else. They don't feel connected to one another. And so uh, there are a number of people that are connected to small groups. There are a number of people that are connected to existing Sunday school classes. But for the vast majority of the congregation who says, I don't have I don't have a place of connection here right. at First Pres, the pastor's class is going to create that space around tables and around conversation for those relationships to be formed and hopefully develop as we kind of get deeper and deeper into the topics. That's great. Jack, you mentioned formation, and I know that that is a little bit of an expansion 
on the idea of traditional Sunday school. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, the interesting thing about the Sunday school model, um, and I've heard Jim Singleton, who was our guest speaker at our last session retreat. Yeah, professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Mm, Outstanding, outstanding school. Wonderful, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Offers a higher degree of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think just so much better than if someone got a degree from Fuller. Oh, my goodness. goodness. Now they're just fighting. This is actual how pastors argue. That's right. That's (laughs) right. It's ridiculous. Logical stuff. Um, So Jim... um, He's he's a historian uh, of uh, or a, a expert in, in church history, and he talks about how the Sunday school movement in this country was actually created as an evangelistic outreach. Sure. And so, when churches in the early 20th century, when churches would would come together and they would worship, um, the what they would do the rest of the day is they would go out into the rural areas of 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 their communities and they would bring the gospel to the children. Mm -hmm. And so it literally was this thing where they took the gospel to the people. They met people where they were and the Sunday school model has, you know, over years for a variety of different reasons has turned into very insular Sunday school has become for church people. Mm -hmm. And so we want to kind of move away from that just a little bit, do more spiritual formation um, and equip people essentially to go live missionally. That's great. Yeah. There's a there's a British theologian named Sinclair Ferguson that is just a tremendous uh, pastor. He pastors a, a small church there in uh, in England, and uh, he comes here to Reform Seminary and will teach from time to time. And he was talking about this whole concept of teaching that in uh, in Christian education you have someone who is teaching the Word of God, but he made this great point as it relates to our conversation about this is not classic Sunday school. This is about formation mm-hmm. and discipleship. He said, you know, you, you teach history, you teach English grammar, you, uh, you teach American history or wh- whatever the case might be. But he said, when you're teaching the Word of God, there is an ex- expectation of transformation, mm. that teaching in the church is different than teaching in a university or a school setting. And so whenever you use the word teach in a Christian church context, that you must associate with that word an expectation of spiritual transformation. And I thought that was really good as it applies to what we're trying to do in that middle hour on Sunday morning. Yeah. And it kind of creates more expectation that the Holy Spirit is participating versus our own power, right? Right. Okay. So do you guys have anything? I know David's getting sweaty, so we need to... (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm I'm so cool. There's no sweat on my brow. I'm I'm doing great. I'm not wearing a robe or anything. I'm yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. I'm with the church, David and Jack. We had a great time, Paige. Thanks for inviting us to be here and and I look forward to seeing everyone soon. Yeah, and excited about upcoming episodes as we get to dig deeper on this missional living content. I think this is going to be good for everybody. It's going to be awesome. Um, If you're new to the podcast, which is pretty much all of you because this is our third podcast ever, um, please take a second to subscribe so you'll get upcoming episodes automatically on your phone or your computer. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or under the media tab of our shiny new website at fpco.org. And for this series, we thought it would be helpful to close... One, with one part of our mission statement each time. So thanks for listening. Now go out and live truth.